The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. Also, every month we're going to be giving away any one item to a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or above. Check out patreon.com slash professional casual for more information. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. So, welcome back to The Space Between, covering Season 2 of The Mandalorian. As always, I am here with my co-host of The Space Between, uh, Dan Cole. You are. That's correct. Hi. Uh, I am your host, Tim. I forgot to mention that part. And we have a very special guest today. Uh, he's he's my friend, and hopefully yours soon. It's uh, Krager from well, the Wreck My Podcast podcast. Yes, that is, <laughs> that is an accurate way to describe me. Hello, everyone. Um, we are incredibly lucky to have Craiger here this week, as both Dan and Craiger are very well versed in Star Wars. And I am, nice. you know, if you've listened to anything that we've done so far in this series, <laughs> I'm not. I don't really know what's going on. You know a couple uh, things. Oh man, I like some bad guys, but that's about it. But I haven't watched most of it, and by most of it, I mean most of all of Star Wars. <laughs> so. <laughs> And, like, that's the funny part, too, is, like, I'm not even that big of a Star Wars nerd, but, like, I was still listening to the first two episodes. I'm like, how do you miss this stuff? Like, come on, guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> what were some of the stuff that we missed from the last episode before we get started into Chapter uh, 11? Alrighty, I will go ahead and pull that up right meow. All right, so I have this uh, stated as shit you guys missed. <laughs> I like it. All right, I like it. So, we need to be held accountable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't bother picking up the stuff on the first episode because you know that's that's past Kevin's problem. And screw that guy. Um, <laughs> so one of the big ones you missed was the X-wing. One of the X-wing pilots from episode two. Not the, uh that was Dave Filoni, who was basically like, oh, the biggest guy. He did. He was in charge of all of the animated series. Um, he yeah, he should be in charge of Star Wars, period. Yeah, he's like, he's he's the second coming of George Lucas, basically. He's just like the best. And um, so he was the X-Wing pilot, but also he was one of the X-Wing pilots from the prison episode on season one where they shot and blew up everything. He was one of those uh, X-Wing pilots. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, so that's kind of a cool tidbit, you know. He also has directed some of the episodes. Um, and you guys were, you guys weren't really sure what bounties they were talking about. So they were referring to the prison episode basically when they're talking about all that stuff. So the bounties that are on the Mando's head are from that prison episode where he breaks in and then they break out the one, uh, oh, what's that, what's that type of alien called? The one with the Twilight? Yeah. Twilight, uh, Twilight. Yeah. So when they break out one of the Twilights, but they're saying, because you also, we saw the security camera footage where you tried to save that one security guard and then you also locked up, you got betrayed by them and you also locked up a bunch of criminals who had bounties on them so because you did this we're gonna um kind of look the other way that's kind of what they were talking about and also another one last fun tidbit is so when they say you tried to save that one uh security guard guy mm -hmm. so that security guard guy um is uh that person is the voice actor for anakin in all of the clone wars oh that's cool yeah oh. A much so, better Anakin actor. Oh my god, the best. Uh, Dan, have you seen the last four episodes of the Clone Wars? Uh, yes, of course. Oh, it just, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so good. Oh, the Siege of Mandalore. Oh, so good. Just oh, I get, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It was just incredible. Very well done. And I'm not even that big of a Star Wars nerd, but man, that's where so good. So. Episode 11 or chapter 11 was called uh, The Heiress, right? Yes. Um, and we open up the episode of them hobbling their way to uh, whatever this planet is. Obviously, down. the heiress is Baby Yoda. Yeah. They're just I clearly. Assumed, <laughs> they're just making just, their way downtown. Uh, 
walking out fast of the gate, like I assumed the heiress was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I assumed the heiress was this frog lady, like she was going to be some important frog queen. Yeah, uh, I thought that, that was well. how I took that title. Well, we'll get into who the heiress is later. Yeah. Um. So. He's obviously hobbled a little bit. The spaceship isn't doing that great. <laughs> yeah. Woof. On a scale from one to ten, it's uh, dog shit. And <laughs> I mean, it's still space worthy, which is quite a feat. But yeah, you know, I, I barely. Would, I would equate it to the little bag you have to pick up your dog shit with, but it's a bad one. It's it's breaking while you're picking it up, and now you have dog poop on your hands. Like, oh. th- yeah. Great visual for all y'all at home. So he's he's getting back into the atmosphere. Apparently the frog lady can understand him now when he tells her to like hold the throttle back and it needs to be held back the whole time or whatever so he can get I, into orbit. And I think they did a decent job of conveying she under he could not understand her, but she could understand him in the first in okay. the second episode. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't totally clear. And then that moment was like, oh, she definitely can understand him. Okay. Because like she'd kind of been doing what he had said, but she never like overtly reacted to what he said to let us know that, yes, she understands the common language, whatever they call it in Star Wars. I don't remember. For me, I feel like they did a good job because when she starts, when she uses the robot to communicate with him, they're they're talking. So and she didn't have anything on her ears. So I was like, oh, she understands him. Oh, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So he burns up the bottom of the ship a little bit, entering the atmosphere. He gets down there. The comms tower's yelling at him. And You're going too fast. He's saving the last bit of fuel to effectively land, right? That's the yeah, to like landing booster. He needed it for uh, like reverse, reverse thrusters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Dan knows what's up. <laughs> so there's a uh, Mon... Mon Calamari. Mon Calamari. Come on, it's a squid person. Well, yeah. listen. It's man, a tasty the dish. The other people were more squid not people to be, than he was. Well, not to be confused with the Corrin, the other squid people. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Who yeah. are rivals on their planet. Mm-hmm. Calamari. <laughs> no, it's oh. it's actually called... Oh, I, I wrote this down. <laughs> Mon Cala, I think. Uh, fought on the planet of Mon Cala, yes. So, he gets down there. He's being yelled at that... Um, Mon Calamari is watching him while he does it. He uses the last bit of his fuel to to break his fall a little bit. And then uh, one of them, the engines blows and he goes into the water. They do a barrel roll. I was like, that's going to be an expensive fix to get pulled out of the water. Yeah. Oh, man. So that was cool. It kind of looked like the crane looked like a repurposed um, uh, walker. Yeah, ATAT. Yeah. A pre-imperial issue. I thought that was really cool. I love East. these are the kind of Easter eggs I really appreciate where yeah. it's just like it's there. It's not anything major, but it's mm-hmm. just kind of neat and fun. Like they have the legs of it. Let's use it. Yeah. Yeah. So so he lands uh, frog lady, the princess. Uh, the finds her frog princess. Prince. Princess. Yeah. My assumption at this point was that she. Was, oh, right. Uh, frog lady. Yeah. Yeah. The frog princess. Um, that was I a do. Disney movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's a good one. So we watched this one with the subtitles on, and they just, anytime she spoke, it was just frog lady <laughs> yeah. speaking frog. Frog man also speaking frog. <laughs> they speak frog. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I have the same. So they find their, their each other's, their, their partners, they hug. Um, he, the, you know, Mando's like, hey, there's some Mandos here, right? Or whatever. Yeah, to the frog man. It's like, hey, I, I brought her here for this information. The frog guy is like, yeah, go to that place over there. Yeah, right over there. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> that was worth it. Thanks for pointing me to a bar. I mean, I do like how quickly they speed stuff up. Or at least I did to an extent because both last episode and this episode are like 28 minutes of content. Yeah. Oh, I saw um, that. Uh, yeah, they were short, but this one was solid. You guys also... Yeah. You guys, uh, I actually always to bring it up to a little more point uh, time, but I will say, um, so another fun fact, the, the planet they're on is a moon and is called Trask and is the first time we ever hear or see it in the Star Wars universe. So it's a brand oh, new little baby. Yeah. And um, okay, fun little fact about the, uh, you know, corn and the Mon Calamari is uh, like uh, Dan was saying, they fought. They, they're from the same planet of Mon Cal. Or Moncala, whatever. Um, and they fought in uh, season four of the Clone Wars, I believe. And we get to learn a lot about them there. 
It was a big long arc with them. They hate mm-hmm. each other. Oh, rad. Okay. There's a cool shark guy. Also, the remember in the first episode when um Mando freaking like uh, gets the one guy's feet, pulls him into the door, and cuts him in half. That was a yeah. corn. That was a corn. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, buttons. <laughs> so he goes into the inn. He buys some chowder for the child. Uh, there's an octopus in it. Uh, there's a mod collar. Don't play with your food. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a, a, a mon 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 calamari. Mon calamari. Is it really calamari? Yes. yes. I don't know why I'm forgetting that so much when it's so obvious. Like, it's yeah, a, it's maybe a it's delect- too obvious. It's a delectable yeah. dish. It it really is. Yeah. Also, so one more little fun fact like, that I'm gonna probably just bug you more about. Um, the uh, the money he pays for. Um, in the movie, uh, in the show, I'm right there. I'm on Cal. Um, that's a little, it's a minor little Easter egg throwback to like in the first season when Chubbs, uh, gives him some money. It's the first time we see the money since he got it from Chubbs. Oh, huh. Now, do we know exactly what type of money this is? Is this new Republic credits, which effectively is like it's Mon- subway tokens or it, it's Mon-, Mon Calamari looks like gummy ice looking mon- money. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it looked weird. Looked yeah. like candy. Exactly. I got hungry <laughs> for some calamari. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just always referred to as credits in Star Wars, like non-imperial credits or something like that. Okay. They don't refer to it directly. I think later in the episode, he just refers to it as credits. Yeah. Okay. The only Man reason I bring it up is because I remember in Phantom Menace when uh, Qui-Gon is trying to haggle with Watto. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's like, oh, well, I have Republic, Republic credits or whatever. And he's like, ah, we don't use that here. Fuck you. <laughs> Pretty much. And then he finger guns and moonwalks away. Um, <laughs> he passes this check, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, so the Moncalar Minari, uh, you know, is takes the money and is like, yeah, I might know someone. We, we've seen some other Besker. Besker. Yeah. I can never tell it, if it's a V it, it's or a B. a B. It's a B. It is, is a B. It is, it is, it is Besker. Yes. Oh, it is the best armor. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> best armor, girl. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, we've seen some through here. I could probably find someone to help you out. He finds one of those quarrel guys or Corin. 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 Man, just this is kill it all today. over again. <laughs> I was going to say it's all over again. Oh. <laughs> he got that armor from Voight. <laughs> <laughs> But so the the squid guy comes over. He's like, eh, yeah, I can help you find him. <laughs> he yeah, was that, really hard to one, understand. That also he wasn't was, like again, foreshadowing at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Once again, I only knew he like chuckled when he said he could help him find him because of the subtitles. Yeah, I should have watched this one in subtitles. <laughs> I didn't, and I kind of regret it because I didn't know what this guy was saying most of the time. Yeah, like I, he's got. He sounds like he's underwater all the time. The Corin do, but this one was. I thought I was exceptionally hard to hear. Plus, I was watching it with my daughter Lily, and mm. she just kept talking oh. about things, which I was glad that she was getting into it. But it, she was just talking too much, and I was like, "Just, just I need to hear this." Yeah, <laughs> I just thought I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean for a little bit. <laughs> you definitely had Deep that vibe for sure. They had a more pronounced beak, though, which I actually really appreciated. Yeah. Um. And there were a lot of them in this episode too, so they certainly. We all know how much you like a good lot beak. Of, mm, <laughs> mm. But uh, so yeah, so he says it's a couple hour sail, like should be not a big deal, but it's going to cost him a bunch anyway. So he probably pays them, gets on the ship, and they head off. Uh, as they're just kind of like fishing about, doing their fish stuff. He's like, "Hey, have you ever seen a what was this thing called? This monster." Mama something mono. Oh, I just read it the other day. I I didn't I didn't bother to write it down. Didn't think it was that important. It's like a kraken. Yeah, yeah. It's got a big mouth. <laughs> um, he's <laughs> talking about like, oh, have you ever seen one of them feed this? The kid will probably be interested in it. Come on, bring the kid over here. Hey, where's the kid? You should you should show him this. Hey, <laughs> hey, where's that kid again? <laughs> he should probably look at this. Oh man. Um. So they, they go to feed him, and when it starts to the bubble boil, toil in trouble, uh, he just hits the carriage with a stick, knocking it into the water, and this monster eats the child. The episode ends, the child dies, <laughs> and uh, it was a good series while it lasted. I felt it was a really short episode, 
it was a, just a shocking ending that yeah. was like there's no resolution to the plot in any way, shape, or form. Just yeah. the child's dead, and, yeah. and now we got to wait till next year. Yeah, and then R2-D2 wakes up in a bed from a cold sweat. <laughs> He's like, ah, <laughs> He pulls a blanket aside, and C-3PO's head is right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And the arm is on the nightstand, the red one. So, <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, but, yeah, so he dives in. They try to trap him. And it looks like, you know, he's in quite a bit of trouble until... So you could say, it's a trap? Yes. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there wasn't a Mon Calamari there to warn him yeah. that it was a trap. I think even Danny said that when we were watching this, when they, they hit the baby, the, the child in, and then they Mando dove in after him, and they had the gate closed, and she was like, oh, it's a trap. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. Because <laughs> she's not a huge Star Wars people, but she's seen more than Tim. Yes. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah, also so apparently, I went like, back the other day. Tim doesn't watch good movies like Back to the Future either, but you know that's that's another subject. So, I have seen Kung Pao like thirty five times. Fair. <laughs> have you watched that's it? The best. Have you watched it listening to their actual dialogue? Yes. So funny. Okay. It is really good. Oof. Um, it's got to be interesting it's yeah it's, it's different it's jarring <laughs> he's like it's 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 so he's like ting tang walla walla bing bang <laughs> it's um it's as jarring as like trying to record an episode where there's an echo on your audio <laughs> so that you hear everyone like three seconds later and it throws Ooh. you off and prevents you from saying mon camari like, welcome but- to the wreck my podcast <laughs> <laughs> But so he dives in there, he gets closed in, it's a trap. And then lasers. Lots of lasers. Yellow lasers, big lasers, fast lasers, pew, slow pew. lasers, even lasers that blow through snow. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets saved by some Mandos. Oh man. Some sweet blue armored Mandos, which if you've watched the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, you would immediately recognize as, as the Night Owls. And Bo Katan. The first character we've had go from purely animated to live action. Yes. And a oh. little fun little fun factoid. So Bo-Katan um, is played in Mando by um, Battlestar Galacta actor Katie Sackhoff, who voiced Bo-Katan in all of the animated series. So like they like got some like really good like um oh, what's the word? Continuity. There you go. Yeah, I like that a lot that it's the same actor that played her yeah. on and- and what's in the, in the animated versions? Yeah, it's like it's funny. So like when she when she takes off her helmet, I'm like, oh wow, she looks a lot like the animated character. That's cool. And then after I finished watching, I looked up, I'm like, oh, that's because the animated character was probably made to look like her because she voiced her. So wow, sacks off to her. <laughs> I knew you were gonna make a sack off joke. You're just waiting to make that <laughs> yeah. terrible joke. Yeah, I've just been sitting here being like, what was the setup again? I still have the joke. I'm gonna throw her anyway. <laughs> um, there was no setup. I did. I don't know how canon this is because once again we've heavily established that I have no idea what I'm talking about on the show. <laughs> but when you they have somebody, that, when they have the interaction and he's just they take their helmets off. He's like, "You're not Mandalorians. Where'd you get that armor from? You obviously stole it. You're showing your face." Yeah, yeah man. Um, and they say that he was a child of the Watch, mm-hmm. like a bunch of religious zealots. I thought that dynamic was super cool. I don't yes. know if that plays into what the deal is all. They had, yes. but I do remember in the clone wars they regularly had their helmets and stuff off it wasn't a big deal yeah so is that is that accurate so this has been a a a point of contention for a lot of fans of the show where it's like why is he so obsessed with taking the helmet off that's never been a thing for mandalorians before so people thought that was a big plot hole that it was just like oh they're just changing it and then this established that no he's just a different sect of mandalorians who have this you know their way and he's now learning that his way isn't the only way of Mandalorians. Well, really, th- those people are more Mandalorian than he is mm-hmm. because he's a foundling because he's not like Mandalorian by birth. He was brought into their fold. Yeah. You know, he's not from the planet of Mandalore. But yeah, in, in the Clone Wars and, and Rebels and stuff, we've seen Mandalorians take off their helmets all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of people thought that this that that didn't make any sense anyway. Okay. So now we see it's just a different group of people that have a different way of thinking about it. And the fact that she says he's fr- he's probably from the Watch. There was a group of Mandalorians called the Death Watch. Oh, who were like, yeah. We're trying to basically take their planet over from the ruler, who is Bo-Katan's 
sister. I forget. She's related to the the person that was the ruler of Mandalore. Yeah, her um, I forget her first sister name. was. I don't remember her name, but she was the ruler of Mandalore. She was yes the only love interest we've ever seen for Obi Wan, and it was we got to see that cool dynamic in the Clone Wars where like. He loves her. They clearly have something, but he has chosen the Jedi way and not to pursue that love. Unlike Anakin. I love, yeah, I love their relationship in the Clone Wars. They do a really good job where like, it's obviously painful to Obi-Wan that he can't have this relationship because they work, they go together so well. But so she's the heiress because she's actually the heiress to Mandalore. Exactly. She should be the queen of Mandalore. Yeah, exactly. Which is super cool. Yeah. Now that we're on this whole, um, excuse me, now that we're on this whole talking about other stuff so i'll just get through the rest of my notes that i have about bo-katan just really quickly um so she has red hair yeah she's a ginger <laughs> um so uh, bo-katan used to be a part of the death watch um and their leader was uh pre vizsla who was yeah. voiced by uh favreau oh really yeah Found okay, that out. Yeah, that. so she was the right hand woman to um, Pre Visla, who was leader of the Death Watch, and then we find out in the Clone Wars, you know, like that kind of like uh, he gets uh, Darth Maul kills him, and then so like she ends up like fighting for Mandalore and all this other stuff like that, and so that was really cool. And also, we don't really see much about um, Bo-Katan much uh, after that in the Clone Wars. And then also she comes into Rebels for like a small arc, but it doesn't really close the arc. It just leaves it open so we don't really know. So I'm excited because we actually are going to get like a real closing or just more information on her story because clearly she's coming back in this season because um, one cool thing is they talk a little bit we haven't gotten there yet, but she talks about the dark saber. And so mm, the last time we see deal. the dark saber before, so we saw the dark saber in the uh, ending of season one Mandalorian. So the only time we'd seen that before, the last time we saw that was in rebels when um, Bo-Katan is given that. And so we know she's the last one to have it. And then they say later in this episode, he, she, she says he took it from me. I'm trying to get it back. Right, and if you we know that she's talking about the dark saber, so it's going to be a real big MacGuffin for this exactly. season, which I'm fine with because the dark saber is cool. So cool. What is I, the dark saber? It's what uh, Moff Gideon had at the end. Yeah. We cut out of the, the 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 Tie Fighter. It's a black lightsaber, but it's made differently. But it's like the ancestral weapon of Mandalore. The ruler of Mandalore has this typically. Oh, so it's a huge deal. Yeah, it's it's their conch. Okay. <laughs> so now was was that evident at the end of the last season when he used the dark saber to get out were people like oh my god that's the dark saber or yes. did they yes. just think it was a black no no, no there's only one black it, saber like that nothing else looks okay. like it. it is super unique okay that's actually super yeah cool. I freaked out when that scene when oh, he cut yeah. out the tie, the tie fighter I was like oh my god he has the dark saber and Danny was like what the hell are you talking straight, about I was like this is a big deal straight <laughs> 6 to 12 right there bud so <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they interact a little bit he says hey I've been quested to do this I need to get this thing over here and they're like listen we're trying to take back Mandalore because you know it's kind of a big deal (laughs) oh we kind of skipped over one of the Mandalorians with Bo-Katan he's like hey they ate my thing and she's like I'll go get it and she just dives in the water oh yeah and then blasts her way back out and she comes out with the, the carriage thing all busted up and then Baby Yoda's fine. Oh yeah, Don't which worry. also I, f- I feel bad Chuck isn't on this episode because the 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 uh, other Mandalorian girl who goes in and gets the baby that is um the wrestler girl. Um, oh, the person he's been freaking out about. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. What's her name? I've never heard of before. Ah. Now it was her that was in like the the dark cloak yeah, towards so, the beginning of this exactly. episode, right? Yes. When he first lands. So okay. Yeah. So she's a wrestler girl. I believe she's related to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> No idea. I'm pretty sure. The, uh, the good news is, the good news is that your inflection at the end of that was, got so high that if anyone calls you out for it, you're like, "Listen, I was I, I, obviously we, very I, unclear." Everyone about it. knows if you go high register, you are unsure. So I made sure to go high register, as one would yeah, say. Yeah. But um, I also thought it was very funny how. Like everyone's like, oh, they're so excited, you know. We got this wrestler who's going to be in Mandalorian. She says three words. And she doesn't do anything. Like the well, entire she might time. not necessarily be gone. At least that's but, true. Um, but yeah, so they kind of go back and forth. They have a mission. He has a mission. Whose mission are they going to do? <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't really matter because Mando just fucks off. He's just like, ah, well. 
you guys have your masks off and I don't like that. I got a motorcycle to steal. Yeah. I have a money. He Wolverine's really hard right here. Oh wow. Really I mean, they're not hard. like an established team for him. Yeah. He's I, I understand he's upset because he these are the people he's been looking for and they're not in a position to help him at all. Right. Like the yeah, other Mandalorians, but they they don't really offer him much. No. And now is this where they had the conversation about Mandalore in general and how the Empire not made yet. sure? No, no. That's, okay, that's, that's later. later. But also I do want to say you guys kind of ruined the Mandalorian a little bit for me because you said it's You're basically welcome. an basically a role-playing game and he has to do a bunch of side quests. And like ever since then, I'm like, oh, this is a side quest. God bless America. What the heck? <laughs> and now it's ruined. And like, as soon as he's like, hey, will you help us? He's like, yeah, I'll help us. I'm like, oh, side quest. So he jet packs back to shore. Uh, the Mandos blow up the ship as they fly out of yeah. the sky, which was actually super cool looking. And then as uh, Mando's walking back through town, Quorun's 18 other brothers, because all of their names in the subtitles were Quorun's brother, Quorun's brothers two, Quorun's brothers three, all the rest of Quorun's brothers. Oh and then God. I just lay a bunch of eggs at once and then a bunch of Quorun's hatch. Yeah. So they're, they're there beaking around in the shadows waiting for him to come out. And they go to uh, mess him up. And they're like, oh, you killed my brother. And he's all like, which one? Quorn one, two, or three? <laughs> and then the Mandos come back again. Almost like they didn't leave at all. Almost like they were following him. Yeah. Because they still wanted to talk to him and he just fucked off. That's true. Like a like a good leader. State Farm was there. Oh, you beat me, beat to, me it. to it. <laughs> but... As they're like, oh, you killed my brother. The other Mandos come back, and he's like, wrong. I killed your brother. <laughs> Dude, it's like she's right no, here. No, I am your Holy brother. Cow. And then they kill 18 more Quarren. With no like, no problem. Just blasting everywhere. Like These three yeah. Mandos are are quite pro- yeah. uh, efficient. Dude, Tim, you <laughs> do a great Bo-Katan, I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've uh, really studied the source material a lot. <laughs> So. He's classically trained, don't you know? He's a voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I actually forget what happens here. Well, he's like, then they have that talk on top of, they go back to his ship because it's like, all right, you saved me again. I guess I'll talk well, to you. They go to the bar, the inn, right? Because they get some food and she's eating octopus. Oh, true, true, true. I think mm-hmm. they, I think they, she even says like, hey, can we buy you a drink at least? Yeah. And he's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess my motorcycle's broken. So <clears throat> at this point, Lily was like, well, how does he eat? If he never takes off his helmet, and and Danny said straw. he doesn't. <laughs> I said he only does it in private. He just has Jamba yeah. Juice like through he has a to straw. Be by himself. Well, there was it's one point obnoxious. in the first season where he took off his helmet, right? Because he put it when he's on that like jungle planet helping um, the lady that pl- was in the Deadpool movie as the strong Cara Dune. Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. He like sets the helmet on like the windowsill at one point while he's watching her and the kids play with the child or something like that. Yeah. So I assume that's the only time he's eaten in the entire series. <laughs> no, it's it's very simple. He just has Jamba juice and he uses a straw. Just goes up underneath <laughs> yeah. his helmet. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, maybe he's photosynthesis. <laughs> Does have any he skin is, exposed? He is photosynthetic. photosynthetic. Yeah, maybe he's chemosynthetic and he can just manipulate things that are in the air. He's cancer. That makes a little more sense. Sure, <laughs> that sounds like words. Chemosynthetic. You you make your food from chemicals around you. Oh, and I guess so. He's like an alchemist. So chemo eats cancer as well. Sure, the alkalorian. <laughs> the alk- alkaline norian. No, that yeah. doesn't work. But so this is where they kind of get into some of the more gritty details, I guess, about what their plan is. And there's a freighter. The Imperials are getting a bunch of weapons on it. They want to heist those weapons so that they can take back Mandalore. Um, Mandalorians pretty much just like everyone who goes there dies. It's stupid. Don't do that. And now this is where they talk about the Empire kind of. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So they're showing how we think he's so knowledgeable and like, he really doesn't know a lot about the home planet of Mandalore, how he's like, Oh, everyone who goes there dies. And it's like, no, that's just more like spooky wives tales that your little cult says, you know, it's not true. Like, so I'm really hoping I, we, get, I did like we get to find out more about that. Maybe even a Darth Maul little 
in there. That'd be pretty cool too. I would love that. I hope they actually go to Mandalore oh, at some that point. That would be so here. cool. But yeah, seeing Darth Maul in the show would be fantastic. Bray so, Park needs some work. So, <laughs> so they mentioned that um, the Empire did something. What did they do to Mandalore to make sure no one could control it? Is it a wild jungle planet or something? Is that no. why it can't be controlled, or what's the deal? We don't really know. Um, at this from what point. we oh. from what we saw in the Clone Wars and stuff like, and Rebels is um, like, so the Empire kind of put in power. Or like a puppet person, you know, and like kind of controlled Mandalore and like was the whole thing with Mandalorians is they are they don't have weapons. They don't have wars. They don't fight on the planet. So it's very easy for someone to come in like, hey, it's mine now. And so and they're very much like we are always peaceful. And so whole dichotomy of fighting and stuff like that. So it was taken over by other people. Then they came to power and had like weapons and stopped people from coming in and out of it. And then, you know, there was a whole battle of like the real Mandalorians trying to get it back and like the fake Mandalorians and then Darth Maul's thrown in there to like control people and like try and find Obi-Wan Kenobi and all that other fun stuff. Okay. Dan, did I do and a that good was, job? Um, that was pretty, yeah. But that was the only thing with it is it was like 20 years or more before the events of the Mandalorian. In that time, there was something called the purge happened. Oh yeah. She talks about, but we don't know as, as viewers, we don't know anything more about that. Cause last, last time we saw anything with Mandalore, was Star Wars Rebels, which was still quite a ways ahead before the events of this show. Well, I believe because yeah. Rebels takes place just before Episode Four. Well, I believe they talk about um, the Purge because isn't that the flashbacks to when Mando was a kid? He's on Mandalore during the Purge, and then he gets saved. I believe that's what they're saying. He was not Mandalorian, but he was on Mandalore. Maybe I could be wrong. Was he? Well, I well because oh. the pur- the Purge is something that happened after. The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So we know the man. We know Mandalorian um, Din. What is it? Din Din Jarden. Din Jarden. Yeah, is his name. We know that he, whatever, when he got saved by the Mandalorians was during the Clone Wars because there were droids. The their uh, B two battle droids. So like I believe the purge is something that happens during like either during the events of the of episodes four, five, and six, um, somewhere in that yeah. area. Between the Clone Wars and the okay. the destruction of the second Death Star. Yeah, uh, Tim, did you um you did you want to talk about the little timeline research you were looking into, or do you want to do that later? We we will when we get to okay. that part. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so we did look heavily into the timeline and when years and stuff take place. So Star Wars Rebels takes place at what zero to five APY or ABY BBY. after the Battle of. Well, BBY is Before. previous to the yeah. first Death Star. Yeah. yeah, Star Wars Rebels is BBY. Yes, yeah. for sure. A New Hope is zero BBY. Was it? I thought y. it was zero to five. No, so. Rebel, no, Rebels, it happens Rebels, five years before. Rebels, yeah. Oh, Rebels okay. is episode four. Oh, it's negative five to zero. Yeah, yes. negative five gotcha. to one. So. To one. Negative five to negative okay. one. So I just read about timeline stuff this morning. I didn't know about the the BBY and ABY until yeah. just yeah, before the Battle of Yavin and after the Battle of Yavin. For those that aren't aware, the Battle of Yavin is the destruction of the first Death Star in Episode Four. Mm-hmm. So he ends up. They say they'll help him if he helps them. He signs up. They're going to go over. They're looking over kind of the bay or whatever, looking at this freight liner, and a Gozanti class cruiser. Yes. And so there's like a big deal about how after they take off, they have to get out of the harbor before they're able to lift off. So they have a, a window in which they can get on there, take over the ship before it takes off into orbit where it can go into hyperspace. Yeah, exactly. So they just set off and do it, really. Next morning, they're just they're ready to go. I don't think that anything else happened in between that and this. No, he, uh, oh, he drops yeah. off the child. He takes the child to the frog lady and man to to babysit. Yeah, yes. Which I was very nervous about. <laughs> As was I. Oh yeah, I was like, <laughs> we, I was like, I, I'm I'm done with baby Yoda eating things. Like I don't need to see any more of that. <laughs> I did love the vibe and the aesthetic of the end of that shot where the child is looking into that container. Through the water and the blue, it looks like that was a great shot. Flight yeah. of the Navigator, like just yeah. that, like and he's just like. Ah. I, I really, <laughs> I don't know what stuck out about that specific scene for me, but I just really enjoyed it. And then we saw that one hatch. 
yes. came out and then Danny was like, you better not eat them now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and fertilize is one thing, but small tadpoles yeah. of sentient creatures is a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> the important thing is that the Mandalorian is uh, establishing babysitters among multiple sectors and planets. Yes. That's imp- he needs that because mm-hmm. he's always in dangerous situations. Yep. Daddy daycare, Star Wars edition. Yeah. <laughs> So then he goes off and they, they go over there and we get a really cool scene of them busting in and taking over this uh, ship, throwing some star troop, star troopers, storm troopers. <laughs> Man, these, these Trek wars are difficult to keep track <laughs> yeah, of. Right? Uh, I believe they're starship troopers. <laughs> oh, yes. I did really appreciate the the making fun of star troopers. They can't hit the side of a bantha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, we, I'm glad they finally acknowledged that in-universe, that the Stormtroopers are universally terrible shots. Exactly. Um, so they, they get over there. They, they punch some dudes off. The alarm goes off. They go in, stab some dudes. It's actually a pretty cool action scene. Now, yeah. this is not the first time we've seen Star Troop, st- Stormtroopers <laughs> in this. Vought Troopers. This is not the first time we've seen Voight Troopers in this. Uh, <laughs> In this show, but um, they are effectively pretty scarce, right? Yeah, they should be at this point. Yeah, okay. Um, but they're they're moving these weapons along. They're stabbing dudes. They're shooting dudes. They're moving right because their armor is completely useless. Because you can just punch them in the face. <laughs> I did so. <laughs> and they're I, I down. That was uh, Boca Raton or whatever that had the little knife. Yeah. <laughs> but it barely goes past her hand. Barely goes past her hand, and then it's Baraka arms in the next scene. Like she's stabbing people from like eight feet away from it. <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to snap your wrist. You're going to have to like get your wrist up there and then press in like at a weird angle. To, But maybe it can come out different lengths. So like she just showed him to her knuckles and then maybe it can go out further than that. Because yeah. oh, I feel like it would have to. Yeah. Or else it's completely useless because, you know, their armor doesn't save them from a small knife. Well, as we've already as right. we've already said, Mandalorians are Wolverine. So. Correct. <laughs> at least the ones in the watch. But. So they're making their way towards the cockpit. The uh, Imperial officer there uh, is communicating with the staff that are being slowly killed or quickly killed, I guess you could say. And he's just like, how many are there? And they're like, ah, there's like 10 or more. That's a whole brigade. <laughs> and then the one dude scanning is like, ah, there's there's four life forms. <laughs> oh, shit, it's Mandalorians. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, ah, close it down. Close all the doors. Just hold them off until we can get into hyperspace. Um, and then the dude's like, well, we got to wait until we get, you know, past the traffic lights. And then, then we, then we, the speed limit increases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why did they have to wait? I didn't understand. I assumed it's because to go to hyperspace or to go into like the orbital speed or turn those jets on or whatever, you're going to fuck up all the water since it's a harbor planet with a bunch of floating things. That I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Cause the engines on that ship are huge. Yeah. It is a large when ship. You see later when the officer tells them to pick up speed and to get there, yeah. like it is creating a disturbance. Okay. In the forest. Yes. And the water. The forest um, water. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they start making their way towards the cargo bay. Um, they, they close all the doors. We get a kind of a neat scene of the dude just like waiting there with a pistol. Oh my god! At the elevator, and I'm like waiting for them to drop down from the ceiling or something. Yeah. But they just walk out of the elevator like it's no big deal, taking hits because they're wearing Besker armor, so yeah. huh. they don't give any shits. As we've discussed, they are invulnerable while blasting. True, mm-hmm. they were blasting yep. back. That's that's definitely certain. But yeah, they close the doors, and then they're like, "Oh, we got them closed in there. Well, where are they? Well, they're in the 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 cargo control. What? Where are they?" <laughs> And then they jettison a bunch of materials yes. off of and the uh, ship. Open the cargo bay doors and goodbye. So when this happens, I believe is where the the two attendees or the the lower officers like are like asking for no, like no, what no, should they no, do. So and remember, like, Bo-Katan, um picks up the communicator and starts talking shit to um, Imperial dude and is like, "Haha, I got your stuff. Now we're coming for you." Like like just like that. That's right. And this is where Mando's like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not- I should have a motorcycle by now. <laughs> this is not the way. <laughs> Mine got wrecked last episode. Two epi- yeah, last episode. Um, so it's their intent to get to hyperspace where they can get back up. And um, 
Boca Raton does not have any <laughs> delusions that they are going to take over this whole ship. Yeah. Yeah, which they have no issues doing. Yeah. Right. But then the the admiral type dude on the ship gets a call from Muff Cabbage. Muff Gideon. Mm. Cabbage. <laughs> The CEO of Voight. <laughs> Muff cabbage. And he's like, no, if they're already on board, you've already lost. You know what to do. And he's like, ah, damn it. All right. Nah, he wasn't even like, and damn he it. He was the two pilots. He was like, he went full like Nazi and was like, yeah, cool. No big deal. Yeah. He had no qualms. He just blasts the two pilots, takes a seat and aims it straight back at the surface. Which also, yeah. also and what, what? What, one thing that I was a little bit let down because they make a big deal. Oh, they have to stay as low at a certain speed. Otherwise they'll get in trouble. And then the pilots reiterate that like, oh, we have to stay a certain speed. Otherwise we'll get in trouble. And then he's like, screw that. And then they start doing it. And I was really like, like that's got to They, they, they said it three or times. Like, it's got to have some importance, like the people controlling the harbor are going to come and get involved in this. And then, like, nothing happened. No, as far as like, as far as like, oh, you you went above speed. What are you doing? Like, no, no one said nothing. Like, just didn't even matter. Yeah, that's fair. Now, granted, there's not a lot of time between this point and what ends up happening to the ship. Yeah. For them to like get cited and have to appear for a court date <laughs> so that they could pay a fine for not getting full clearance before leaving the harbor section. But because as we all know, I don't know if you guys have read a lot of the still canon uh, extended Star Wars universe stuff, but both the corn and the Mon Calabaris uh, have a very heavy fee system, uh, especially on Trask. Um, which actually helps keep them them stable uh, and have I believe it. Hmm? That's why it was so difficult for Frog Lady's man frog husband to carve out an existence for them because they are so fee heavy. Yeah, there's a fertilization fee, pretty big. Yeah, <laughs> there is. Um, but so they continue making their way towards the cockpit. Mando does some awesome stuff where he just. Get shot eight thousand times while trying to throw two thermal detonators around a corner. Where <laughs> they get pinned down, and I'm like, "Why are they? Why are they hiding behind the bulkhead? Like they're wearing best armor. Just go." And then he's like, "I'm just gonna go." And then I was I like, "If he doesn't get armor. hit at least a couple times, well, he got he got blasted a whole punch." A which I was like, "Okay, good. They still had them just miss completely. Yeah. Like he's standing in the middle of a narrow hallway. There's no way even stormtroopers could miss, and they didn't, which was good." Yeah. Well, and, and they specifically cool. talked about the numbers of them there and what weapons they had. They have two heavy repeater blasters mm -hmm. or, or whatever. So it's like, well, yeah, they got like yeah. a nice close up of that. So I will yeah, you're say, you're going to be walking into some heavy cool turret fire. I, I felt like it helped me gauge a little bit more, like like Beskar armor and like what it is. And so Beskar armor basically is like better bulletproof vest because like the impact of the blazer is still going to knock you down, but like it's not going to like damage you at all. It's just like going to like knock the wind out of you and stuff like that. If it like happens a lot, or if it's a powerful blaster. I did really like that. He's just effectively getting punched yeah. hard over and over yeah, and over and over times. again. And no, it's not going to like kill him, but it certainly could. I mean, if he just, you know, standing there with a turret above you, like Glazer on American Gladiator shooting that tennis ball cannon at you, <laughs> oh it's going to hurt after a while. <laughs> and it'll be established that it's not like the armor is all encompassing. It's not like Space Marine power armor. He, he has places that are vulnerable. Yeah. But he does it. He blows them up. And they make their way to uh, the place. The yeah. cockpit. The cockpit. Yep. The old dick deck. <laughs> exactly. Which they take over no problem. That guy provides no resistance. Yeah. Uh, Boca Raton has a uh, <laughs> little back and forth here with the guy about where the dark saber oh, is. Man. And he's all like, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I have a battery in my mouth. Um, oh, yes. They say don't put batteries <laughs> in your mouth. But I did put a battery in my mouth. And then he bit the battery, which he was also told not to do. But especially, yeah, I'm trying to remember what how what happened to him. But yeah, he. I did will say, all, like, uh, I was all like, not cyanide capsule. I was like, are you really gonna like do space cyanide? But like, they made it like kind of cool and like electric electricity style. So I'm like, all right, that's not as bad. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And just showed how fanatical yeah. the the Imperials it's, have it, become. It's where... screaming like Nazi. Yeah. Listen, not only Nazis can kill themselves with cool tooth batteries. I mean, they've always been space Nazis, but like yeah. I feel like in the original movies they didn't they never would go so far as to 
I can't remember another instance where they would literally kill themselves for the Empire like yeah. that. Darth, Darth Vader would right. just kill him. Darth Anakin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't have Darth Vader anymore, so they got to rely on zappy cyanide <laughs> batteries in their mouth. Just imagine Darth Vader's itinerary on a regular basis. It's just like, I got to go just kill these guys because we don't... I, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> Can't we get some... Uh, we just need some if imperial only, scientists to make like little Palpatines that people can put in their mouth. Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> if only Darth Anakin would like use ZipRecruiter, it'd be so much easier. You get qualified right. candidates in a timely manner. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But so. She finds out that this other dude already has the dark saber. If he's even, if she's even asking that question, then she already knows the answer to it. Um, but they've effectively gotten this freightliner. They've gotten the weapons. They're going to be able to arm their populace to try to take back their planet. Woo. Yeah. She asks if uh, you know Mando's going to fuck off on his motorcycle here, and he's like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> I have a mission. A mission from Gat. I mean, the Forge Smith lady. This is the way. Yeah, I got to take this child somewhere. Where do I go? And they're like, "Oh, hey." I know where you can go. I know somebody. And she tells him to go to Corvus, the jungle planet of Corvus. A forest moon. Yeah. Where they can meet Ahsoka Tano. Which Who, is so exciting. I know. I've heard a lot about this lady. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, here it comes. From both of you. No, I'm not going to be disrespectful at all. I know that she's a big character. I know that this is, a, is kind of a big deal. Um. So talk to me about it, guys. Tell me why she is the best Jedi because so in the Clone Wars, um, she's Anakin's uh, Padawan. And so at one point, um, the someone makes it look like she did something bad and the Jedi don't really believe her because she's Anakin's Padawan. Anakin's like, I do whatever I want. You know, and so she's like, yeah, I do whatever I want to. No big deal. And um, so they think it's her, but Anakin's on the one like, it's not her. I'm telling you guys. And so uh, the, at the end of like that little arc, um, they find out that it wasn't her. But she is so like, like, no, like you guys wouldn't believe me. I almost died several times. Like, like, no, you guys wouldn't believe that it wasn't me. And they like try to bring her back in. And she's like, no, I will not be a Jedi anymore. So she like, I love yeah, that. She yeah. like, she does like the one thing we've never seen where like someone who is a Jedi is like, nah, I ain't about this anymore. And goes off to do their own little Jedi things but not really as a jedi and like it's really cool so she ends up kind of coming back but like she is like the best what i guess not jedi but like the best lightsaber wielding force user because she doesn't just like blindly follow the jedi code like she has her own moral compass and she sticks to it and we've seen those that don't follow the the Jedi code and how and why they have the code and how things go wrong with Anakin. But one thing I like about Ahsoka is that you know, as Anakin's Padawan, she's a lot like him in a lot of ways. But she typically does things that doesn't get people killed all the time, um, <laughs> as Anakin often does. But she she does like like Craig said, she's got her own moral code and not just like, well, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to. Like Anakin. It's like, well, I don't care what you say about love and, and, and you know, having connections. I'm going to stick my dick in it. Exactly. Fuck He's going to get some dicks and cider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with Ahsoka, it's more like, well, I want to do the right thing. And if the code doesn't allow me to do the right thing, then I'm not going to follow the exactly. code. And the whole, like, she was excommunicated. Okay. You said they allowed her to come back. And she was like, well, no, because you followed this code to a point where you can't understand that. You don't you don't know people because because your code says this. You couldn't even consider what I said to be true. Mm -hmm. Like she was framed pretty well, but still, like none of the council believed her at all except Anakin. He's not on the well. He was on the council, but no, he was not yet. Technically, he wasn't on the council yet, but still, he. You know, it was just like you know. So obviously, this isn't working for me. I appreciate everything you did for me, but here are my lightsabers. I'm done. And like she gave up her like to the point she gave up her lightsabers, yeah. which is a big deal. And then she was just like, I guess I'll just eke out an existence on Coruscant for a while. She yeah. And her story gets better too because oh. then the the last the most recent last season of Rebels, she has um a couple arcs 
to really kind of flesh out her character. She has her own novel uh, that takes place after all of that on a whole nother planet and whatnot, showing how she's trying to survive, how she gets white lightsabers that she has in when she shows up in mm-hmm. Rebels. And she works, she's like the one of the founders of the rebellion yeah. against the Empire. Oh, wow. It's actually her and Darth Maul, <laughs> of all people. Yeah. Wow. Start start the yeah, rebellion. Darth Maul's all like, I was used as a puppet, and then once I wasn't worth anything anymore, he just threw me to the side. So I want to get basically. He's like Darth Maul has two motives. I want to get back at Palpatine, and which he didn't know yes. was Palpatine. I don't think. Um, and then get then kill Obi Wan Kenobi. Like those are the two people that I have to kill. And he was always it was yeah, always that's the only reason he survived because yeah. of his hate and rage kept the force the force allowed him to survive. Yeah. I Which that. I actually really like. I like that a lot too. So like for a while, Ahsoka and Darth Maul worked together for a little bit and they kind of formed this resistance. They're the, the rebels, but like before it's technically before episode three even happens. Cause she knows Palpatine's bad yeah. or something is going on there that she doesn't trust the Republic at that yeah. point. So like, yeah, it's really cool. I, I like Ahsoka a lot. I liked her before the whole, like, she got excommunicated and whatnot, just because she was a fun character. She was kind of spunky. We didn't, I feel like we didn't have many characters like her in Star Wars. Everybody was either really serious or just really goofy. Mm. And she kind of straddled that line. Um, and she was just cool. She fought with, uh, like, a long sword and a short sword lightsaber, basically. Yeah. Okay. Which was kind of neat. We hadn't really seen that style before. Only so one that was really fun to watch in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else that had like a long one and a short one. But, but she comes back. Um, I guess you could call her Ahsoka Tonto. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, in Rebels, she comes back as an adult and she has two just the bright white lightsabers, which is really yeah. neat because she's not a Jedi. Um, we find out in her novel, she actually gets uh, kyber crystals from Inquisitor's lightsabers that have been broken. That's how they make them red. As they torture the kyber crystal with the force until it break it, it cracks and then they're red instead of whatever color they should be. And she heals these kyber crystals so they're just like pure force energy. That's why they're white. That's oh, wow. badass. She's awesome. Yeah, she is. Okay. She is. She's she so is cool. the best. Which like, I like Rosario Dawson. I think will play a great Ahsoka Tano, but I am a little yeah. bummed they didn't give the voice actor the opportunity. Like, yeah. The the worst part is they didn't even like she didn't even get nope. to audition. Yeah. Which is weird that they did it with Bo-Katan, mm-hmm. which just makes perfect sense. If the actor looks anything like the character, just well, do it. Like, well, they also, already have played also, that role. Also, Ahsoka Tano is, is a... Twi- uh, not, is she Twilight or she, No, she's different. No, but, I... But she's, uh, she's going to have a bunch of different, like, makeup and other stuff like that. So, like, it doesn't even matter if she looks like her or not. Like... And she does. <laughs> <sighs> the uh, I think her name is Ashley Eckstein. She's... Uh, played She's Ahsoka. incredible. Like, she would be yeah, fine. Yeah, she's, she's a great but, voice actress. But I like Rosario Dawson yeah. a lot. I think she's going to be awesome as Ahsoka. I'm just excited to see her in in live action. I hope that she actually gets some moments with the white lightsabers. Mm. I think that would look awesome on on this show. Yeah. But yeah, so the fact that they even just name dropped her, I was like, yeah. fanboy. I, I I will say like <laughs> as far when they said uh, Rosario Dawson, um, I was all like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense. Like I don't know why, but like I feel like it just fits very well. Yeah. So. Before the episode, Craiger and I were looking at some timelines mm-hmm. and, and doing some math to figure out how old Ahsoka Tano would most likely be if she is actually going to be featured in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so if she was 14 in 22 BBY, which is when Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars series takes place. Okay. Oh, we have hard numbers there. That's good. Yeah. Um, and the, in between... Attack of the Clones and the original trilogy was like 23 years. Right. Well, if it was 22 BBY, then. Yeah. 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 Because the, the fourth movie, A New Hope, is zero BBY. And uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones is 22 BBY. And the Clone Wars series is 22 to 19 BBY. Right. So okay, so 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 we did a whole bunch of math, and then we found a, and then Craiger found a different um, thing that was just said when each thing happened and their okay. years. So it was like, ah, oh, we did all this shit, and we find kind of thought that she would be around forty two. 
Okay. And then we looked at this other timeline thing that had the all the BBYs and ABYs. And so she's 14 in 22 BBY. Okay. At the start of the Clone Wars series. And then Mandalorian season one takes place in nine ABY. Okay. So, which would put her at like 45. Right. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So uh, initially I was like, how old is this fucking bitch now? Like how long has it been? And it's like, well, well, she was 14 and she's in her mid forties. Yeah. Seems like fine. Yeah. She's not like, I think Togruta's have a long lifespan but as also, well. As we know, positive, like, but I feel like they with, do. With Jedi and Sith, like age doesn't really matter. You can still be like a badass. Yeah. Yeah. No, Yoda was 900. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a lot of the stuff I've seen about how Yoda didn't retire to Dagobah because, <laughs> you know, it was that. some it was super force sensitive planet. It was because he was the apex predator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when he died, the whole planet sang yeah. <laughs> because they didn't have to live in fear of Yoda <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I do love this stuff with baby Yoda eating all those weird things. It's kind of like every time he does it, it's kind of like a callback to episode six when Yoda asks Luke, how does he get so big eating food such as this when he has like a protein bar? <laughs> yeah. He's just like, uh, like, why don't you just want to eat this frog over here? Um, but yeah, so he goes back. They say that, you know, he has an open invitation to come back and join them at any point, but now he knows where to go. He goes back to, uh, the frog pad baby or the child is playing with a, a tadpole in a bowl can we call it the lily pad <laughs> yeah <laughs> he picks up the child who does not want to leave that tadpole i was expecting yeah. him to eat it oh, like i was, I was gonna get What's so mad be- if he ate the tadpole i'm all like we don't need to right? see any more untimely baby yoda eating things he shouldn't like it's done yeah. let it die so do you think baby yoda was upset to leave because he was having fun or was it because he wanted to eat that tadpole? I hope. <laughs> I could see it either way. I hope that the kind of feel I got was these frog people have like kind of taught baby Yoda like, like hey, you don't need to eat these like fish or friends, not food. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm hoping that like that kind of thing because like I felt like if baby Yoda was going to try and eat the tadpole, it would have happened. So I feel like they kind of schooled him up a little bit on like not eating people's children etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I want to jump real quick with the timeline stuff. I was reading an article today. I don't know. I never realized it. Never thought about this before. But the child is older than Din. Oh, well, I mean, that doesn't that, that, said yeah, that, that chi- doesn't surprise me. Right. I. I once I read that, I was like, oh, well, yeah, they said he's 50 years mm-hmm. old. But like, so the child was actually around during like episode one. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So the timeline works out. It could actually be Yoda and Yaddle's kid. Is it confirmed that Yoda and Yaddle had a kid? No, not by any means. We don't even know if Yoda and Yaddle had any kind of relationship other than they were both on the council. Hmm. Oh. And we only know Yaddle's female from like source books yeah. about the first movie because she's like in two shots. Well, if he's 50 years old and we've established that Ahsoka Tano would be 45, then he was around for the entire prequel trilogy. Yeah. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Kind of interesting. I just, I guess not the whole thing because there's a pretty big jump in between episode one and episode yeah. two. It's like 10 years or something. Something like that. Yeah. At least. But. um. All right. Well, that's kind of rad. Yeah. I just remember I read that this morning and I was just like, oh. I, yeah, obviously 50. I don't think Jin is 50, so that makes sense. It's just kind of funny that he's old, the child is older than Din is. Oh, what's the... So, in towards the beginning of the episode, the Mandalorian uses some swear that's like Dank Ferrigno or something <laughs> like that. I don't remember. Is that the Hulk? And then... <laughs> yeah. Lufrigno? Uh, it was Dank something or Dark or Dirk something that they he says like under his breath. And then later on, Boca Raton says it as well. Oh, I don't remember that one. So I, I just like Bantha some... Pudu is a common Pudu. one. Oh, okay. So I assumed it was some like <laughs> uh, Mandalorian specific swear or something. But, it could be. Possibly. Um, but yeah, so he goes back to the port um, that Mon Calamari. Oh, shit. The last time I said it. You got it. Nice job. Look at um, you. <laughs> has put his shit together with a whole bunch of nets and strings. I love it. We use band-aids and 
bubble tape. It was like, why is it full of rigging? <laughs> oh my god! Right, <laughs> there aren't sails. Oh <laughs> so bad. He apparently paid a thousand credits for this. Um, but he goes inside. It's a bumpy ride, but he takes off. And then a little octopus thing comes down and tries to eat Baby Yoda, and uh, and then Baby Yoda eats it instead. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so he takes off, and it's going to be a bumpy ride, but he knows where to go yeah. now. Woohoo! And this, the forest moon of what was it, Corvus? Corvus. Yeah. Have we heard of this planet before? I don't think so. Well, this moon. Not that I'm aware of. Nah, I don't know. But once again, I have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything that is Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not really asking it's you. Actually, it's actually encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it going to be one of those things that drives me crazy? Like people call it Endor, where the Ewoks were, where it's like, no, it's the forest moon of the planet yeah. Endor. The moon doesn't have a name. It's just a moon of Endor that has woods. That's no <laughs> yeah. moon. Seems like a Frankenstein monster Frankenstein thing. Yeah, Frankenstein's monster is not... Frankenstein. But to, to kind of call back to something that we talked a little bit about in the last episode of this podcast, which was where episode two was very short. It was like 35 minutes. If you skip the intro and the credits, this was even yes. shorter. Ugh. Was it actually shorter? Yeah. yeah. I don't like no. that. I want them to be at least 45. Like, we so, only get eight of them. Very specifically. And, and two and three could have easily been one episode. It yes. should have been one episode. And it, this was certainly one episode that was split into two to get another episode out of it. And it's really frustrating because if you put those times together, it would have been just over an hour, which is perfectly adequate for a show mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. Um, and we wouldn't have gotten two episodes that just felt like we were robbed a little bit. No, I don't think I didn't feel robbed at all by this episode. No. Episode two retroactive. I didn't mind it as we watched it. I thought it was fine. But yeah. retroactively seeing how this could have been one episode was kind of like all right yeah, well episode i mean it's probably all budget uh, uh, that's episode yeah. two was very frustrating to me like uh, although i did oh i did forget to mention that those spider things are from the rebel series we that's so but it's the first time we see them in live action oh are they the same because yes. the ones in the rebels were super tough yeah these one they're uh the video i watched said they are the same they have the same name oh okay interesting that's cool. But yeah, overall, I don't know. I feel a little jilted that these really should have been one episode. It could have, especially, I don't know. It's on the cusp, but I really hope that the remaining five episodes of this season aren't the same. Half an hour feels like a jip, especially after coming from The Boys Season 2, where every episode had oh so much shit in it. Yeah, and they were like so. all hard 50 to an hour or more. So yeah. good. Um, so uh, it, it would seem like a waste overall to have some cool monsters and cool special effects at a heavy cost of both episode length, content, and quality. Um, not that like, I, I didn't have any issues with either of these episodes outside of their length, but I mean, come on. I mean, this is like the selling point for Disney Plus yeah. right now is yeah. the Mandalorian. Like everything else has been pushed. Wait, because we yeah. were supposed to get WandaVision You're, this year and it's now January. Seems, yeah, I mean, it only got pushed back a month or less, but still. I mean, it got See, pushed back it. six uh, months I, I, and then another month. I disagree. Month I feel like everyone got Disney Plus for luck of the Irish. <laughs> I don't even know what that it's is. A Disney, it's, a, it's a Disney original movie they always used to play. Oh, oh gotcha. okay. Um, I thought they got it. Now, granted, Hamilton being on there was yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was a big um, one. Mandalorian season one was ball. Oh, so good. Uh, two, you know, we'll see how it how it pans out, but probably overall will be positive. So, so, I think it's gonna, especially now the plot is picking yeah. up. Yeah, just having Ahsoka, but now that the plot is picking up a bit more focused, I think will help it a lot. As long, like you said, as long as it's not like the monster of the week kind oh of thing, gosh. Right. which this episode didn't feel like because it felt like a continuation of chapter. But it 10. was also Correct. like we have a side quest. Like that was just like <sighs> that's what's going to be. Like I feel like that's that's. And I'm sorry if if that ruined if like that was like a behind the curtain Wizard you of Oz thing. Broke because... the ice for me. Yeah, <laughs> broke the glass. I'm sorry. But but yeah. So thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week where maybe we'll get to see Ahsoka. That would be <gasps> awesome. Please and thank you. Maybe we'll get to see um, 
Darth Maul at some oh. point during the season, which would be awesome. Yes, oh, please. God, yes. But once again, this was The Space Between covering season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, special thanks to my co-host, Dan Cole, uh, author Hi. of Lanny, Girl Without Fear, as well as the GM of a grim podcast of Perilous Adventure. Uh, you can check out both of those things here on the network. Uh, one on the Big Fiction Energy podcast, which is a audio drama where we read Dan's book, Landing Girl Without Fear, as well as a grim podcast of Perilous Adventure, which is a Warhammer fantasy role play, fourth edition actual play. We play Warhammer. It's just like any other actual play that you've seen uh, for D&D, except it's uh, with Warhammer. A different setting, a little bit more narrative, significantly more deadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Krager from uh, Wreck My Podcast. Check them out at Wreck My yeah, Podcast, we're on, wherever you get your uh Yeah, we're on podcasts. YouTube, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all that stuff. And, you know, like, and unlike some other podcasts, we're popular in America, you know? So, like. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, make sure to check out everything else here on the Professional Casual Network, professionalcasual.com. Monday nights, we stream Marvel Crisis Protocol live from Bearded Dragon Games and Comics. Uh, you can check that out at twitch.tv slash professionalcasual. Uh, we have a ton of other stuff on the network. Elite Eight Showdown every Friday. This week on Elite Eight Showdown is an episode. I don't remember which one it is. I haven't posted it yet. But it's going to be real good. Uh, we always get some amazing feedback on that show. Um, it's not always positive. It's usually not positive. But, um, but it it's feedback. Very, but it's feedback and it is strong feedback. And we appreciate it. We do That's appreciate, what I appreciate it. About so, you. so, yeah. Uh, check out the stream Monday. Check out Elite Eight Show on Friday. Check out Gapapa. Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure on Tuesdays and coming soon on December 21st. First, Lost Omens, our Dungeons and Dragons Pathfinder 2 actual play will drop. Um, drop hard. It'll, it's going to drop hard. We're going to drop a couple episodes that first week. Get to know the characters, get to know what's, what's going down, what's good, what's not good. But yeah, also check us out at Top Tier Casual on Twitter. The Professional Casual on Instagram and join the Facebook group over at facebook.com slash professional casual. I have been Tim. I have been your super ignorant host. <laughs> and check us out next week. Thanks. <laughs>